Hi, this is Tom Field, Vice President of Editorial with Information Security Media Group. Welcome to Part 2 of our Security Leaders Panel, in which we talk with information security leaders and organizations across industry to hear about the hot topics on their agendas for 2013. As we pick up our conversation, we discuss mobility within their organizations and the security policies and tools that they have put in place to manage mobility. Our participants are Elaine Starkey, CSO with the State of Delaware, Matthew Spear, Senior Vice President of IT with M&T Bank, and Christopher Padron, IT Security Compliance Officer with PeaceHealth Southwest Medical Center. To start out about mobility, Elaine, I want to throw a question your way, and I welcome response from Matt and Christopher as well. Talk a little bit about the state of mobility within your organization today. I know that you have been aggressive in adopting mobile technologies. And talk a bit about how you expect that state of mobility to change in 2013. We do have a somewhat established BYOD program here in Delaware. You know, if you call 14 months established, I guess in this uh, in this space it is. What we did was, I mean, this is all about trying to support our employees in the way that they wanted to do their work. And the way they wanted to do their work is to not carry around you know, a zillion devices on their hip. And, you know, immediately that kind of introduces some security concerns. So for us, it turned out to be an effort in, you know, as in many of the, the initiatives that I get involved in, it's let's find the balance, let's find the right balance between securing, creating and maintaining a secure network and balancing the convenience and the functionality that our customers, our users are asking for. And it would have been real easy to just, let's let's just stay secure and let's not allow any personal devices. That's the easy answer, but it's the wrong answer, or it was the wrong answer for us anyway. We proceeded to implement a fairly rigorous BYOD program. It, it requires, you know, minimum security controls on all devices before they ever connect to the state network. We enforce that through the technology, and it's been quite successful. We've had, we have, have a, right now we're looking at a 20% reduction in government-owned devices at this point, and that will continue to go down. Or, or excuse me, the, the reduction will, <laughs> the reduction number will go up and an 18% reduction in our wireless costs here in Delaware. Certainly that we have seen the migration to uh, BYOD-type programs, mainly around the iPhone and iPad-type of configuration because of, you know, the demand and the adoption that these employees had at home. And uh, we're doing the same thing in that we've, provided uh, a mechanism, whereas in our mobility in the past had really have been around laptops and Blackberries, that we want to make sure that we can provide the same level of security on those end devices, even if they aren't owned by us. The implementation of third-party DM type of software where uh, you can allow the employee to be able to use the device as they wish, at the same time have the ability to identify and kill any enterprise data that usually involves customer data when the employee leaves or should they lose. And I think that all we're going to see is now that this door has been opened that the usage and demand is going to increase because of just the consumerization of these types of devices. People love them. Uh, They don't want to carry around two devices, and they're coming up with creative ways to be able to do so. 
And I would just follow up on what Matt had to say from a healthcare perspective. Delivery of care is moving to mobile. You want delivery at the point of care, whether it's the physician provider, whether it's nursing, whether it's assistants, whether it's anyone elsewhere. Um, they want their workstation and or their work access to move with them as they dynamically address their many tasks and healthcare is really challenged to be profitable. There are very few profitable healthcare systems, so optimization, efficiency, the efficacy of our tools, they're all drivers, principal drivers in our service sector. And of course the workforce wants to be productive. So as Matt was saying, We've adopted MDM, mobile device management. Underneath it, it requires IAM, identity and access management, because many of those individuals may or may not be employees. We have to have those policies. As um, Elaine was mentioning, you've got to have the policies and you've got to have the controls before you can allow access new technologies. And for us, our focus is going to be on segmenting on those personal devices with our MDM solution. Here's the, the required encrypted policy enforced segment. If you don't access it in a certain period of time or if your device goes missing, that portion is going to be wiped. And everyone must accept those enforced policies because we have to address the um, emergent new legal domain called individual liability. It's no longer just corporate liability or a HIPAA liability. There's the responsibility that the individual takes when they use their personal device for workplace service. Chris, I'd like to follow up, and I'd love to hear from everybody else as well, about security policies or tools. You mentioned mobile device management as well as your awareness program. Two of the vulnerabilities that we all see with mobility is, one, the applications that users will download, uh, and then just the risky behavior of the users. What are you doing to address applications as well as user behavior? As I mentioned, almost all of that is dealt with at the MDM level, at the mobile device management. We pre-qualify which stores and which applications can be downloaded that interface with the OS level of whatever the mobile device is so that if we, we don't maybe restrict game access, but if the game is allowed to write and save information to the device, our policy says as long as it's not inside our secured area or has any hooks or links or interoperability or access to read what is in our vault within the mobile device, you can go ahead and do it. But if it attempts to, we have control over the device that will disallow you from downloading that new application until it has been vetted and put on the white list, the approved list of applications. Again, MDM solutions come in many flavors and have many different capabilities. In healthcare, we needed it to be rather robust to allow the users to use their own devices, but to have them consent to a certain degree of, of organizational management 
in their respect for us maintaining controls. And Christopher, if you would talk about awareness a little bit, what have you found to be most effective in your awareness in depth program? Most effective is the culturization. We've been for over 20 years uh, offering what long before HIPAA in 96, long before, for over 20 years we've had a mums the word campaign. Every year we have an organization-wide participation. Every month we have department initiatives. Every um, newsletter has a little banner at the bottom that's a security awareness element. We enculturate security so that the user identifies with the culture. It's become hardwired into their behavior that this is part of my ownership. I, I am a custodian of this information. My patients, I am protecting not only my patients' health and well-being, I'm protecting their information. And that sense of ownership, when it becomes enculturated, then alleviates many of those issues of I didn't know, I didn't think, I didn't know that was my responsibility, the excuses of the lacks of attention, the, the lack of ownership, those go away. It becomes uh, a one-off security remediation or corrective action for an individual. And when we have transparency, when we reveal to our whole house just as our safety metrics are announced by department, here's what our status is, here's our compliance. When we announce our top 10 users of the Internet, they may be doing business-related activity, but that everyone knows who the heavy users are, who's doing what, it creates a heightened sense of awareness, and that builds accountability and responsibility. Elaine and Matt, I'd love to hear from you as well. What have you found to be effective security policies or tools you're using with mobility? And, and speak to awareness as well. I know it's a challenge that you face also. Well, certainly from, from our standpoint, when we, we looked at this, that having a very robust uh, MDM tool and additionally limiting our exposure into having to provide a solution for multiple different device types. You know, the, the number one device type that our employees wanted were iPhone and iPad, you know, to a lesser extent, Android or any type of Android tablet. And so being that, you know, the, the architecture of an iPhone or the iOS allows us to have a greater sense of exactly where files will be, even when they manipulate them around the device itself, that we felt pretty confident that we could provide a robust security mechanism in place. And so with that, we said that, look, this is what we would support for year one while we're working through architectures for non-Apple devices. And so we've limited the exposure. Uh, the second part has been very transparent in the required training and also the kind of acknowledgement of what is the end user's responsibility and that we just don't by default approve this. We require that the end user goes through training and also sign off that they realize that while this is not a corporate device, it, it is a privilege to be able to use it in the corporate environment. And so there's a level of control that they have to turn over to us and then what their responsibilities are. And 
Also, in the case of, you know, where they not done what they, you know, were required to do, that we've made it relatively painful for, for failing to do so. Uh, and such as, you know, removal from the program and sorry, but you're, you're not back in because you've not been able to demonstrate that you can do this responsibly, uh, responsibly. And I think that, you know, overall that kind of gets some people's that were a little complacent in the past when they hear these kinds of things happening that, they tend to pay a lot more attention. I would just jump in as well. Uh, very similar to uh, what Chris and Matt described, you know, our portable network device policy and standard um, have been updated to reflect the changes. Every every user that agrees to sign up for this has to agree to meet seven mi- minimum security controls. And they're very similar to the controls that we have enjoyed for many years on the BlackBerry environment. We've been a BlackBerry uh, shop here for many years, and uh, while it's not the device of choice today, there's been some great things from a security perspective that we've tried to model as we've moved forward into kind of the MDM phase of our mobility. So we, we require strong passwords. We require a history of passwords on the device. Uh, so they can't re- keep reusing the same password. Passwords expire. There's inactivity timeouts, and there's lockouts after failed attempts and gives us the ability to remotely wipe for lost and stolen devices or otherwise compromised devices and uh, encryption as well. So, you know, those are some of the things that um, the BlackBerry kind of just kind of came standard with the Blackberries, um, and we've had to enforce that. We also, like Matt, we also require the, our, our users read and sign off electronically an acknowledgement statement. They're consenting to, you know, some level of oversight, even though it is their personal device. Um, and so we're, we're moving forward in 2013. We will actually retire our BlackBerry solution and our BEZ server completely. It has now been replaced with an MDM solution that allows for a much broader selection of different kinds of devices by our customers. Elaine, in your 14 months of sort of advanced mobility, what would you say has proven to be effective in terms of user awareness? Just kind of getting the message out in various venues. We have prepared some, some really wonderful communication pieces, and communication pieces are great as long as people read them. So what we've taken kind of a multifaceted approach and just not rely on one way. You know, maybe an email will go out, but then there's been some additional opportunities to join a, a web conference to learn more about it. People learn different ways, and we have to kind of recognize and respect that. So we give them different ways to hear the message, and I think that in this case that's been pretty successful. And that brings us to the end of Part 2 of our Security Leaders Panel. Stay tuned for part three, where we talk about authentication, and part four, where we discuss incident response. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Tom Field. Thank you very much.